All right, welcome everybody to Live Courageously, podcast show number 15 of 2022. And uh, this show started when I got the strong feeling or urge one night to start a podcast show when I was in Calgary, Canada, finishing up producing a film left behind with director Kevin Sorbo and actor Kevin Sorbo. And I felt the strong need at the time to share the stories of some of the amazing, courageous friends that I'm honored to know and have in my life. So it's very special to go full circle and have Kevin uh, Sorbo here as a guest today. And at the time I chose the title of Live Courageously because that's been the conscious theme of my life for the last two years since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 and an unconscious theme for most of my life. And if you haven't seen the previous 14 podcasts with some of my amazing friends sharing their powerful stories of overcoming all odds and going on to live their best lives, you can watch them on my John Duffy YouTube channel. And I recommend you check them out and binge watch them. It's better than Netflix. <laughs> it really, it is. And you'll get free doses of inspiration and courage. And this show, what it's about is about faith over fear. I believe fear is just a reaction, but courage is a choice. And I suggest that you need to consciously choose courage to get through life and to deal with what life may throw at you in the future. So I encourage you to adopt the spirit of courage in the face of any and all fears. But so let me get to the show today and let me introduce you to my very special guest and friend. Kevin is someone who has lived a very courageous life. I don't have any clue how I'm going to make this uh, fit this conversation with Kevin into an hour as his life and uh, experiences will take hours. But here goes. Sorbo received international stardom when he booked the lead role in Hercules, The Legendary Journey, which became the most watched TV show in the world. Following that success, Sorbo had the lead had the lead role is Captain Dylan Hunt in Gene Roddenberry's uh, Andromeda. And so Sobo has also gone on to star alongside Dennis Quaid and Helen Hunt in Soul Surfer and in the fate-based movie, God's Not Dead. Uh, the $2 million God's Not Dead budgeted movie became the most successful independent fate-based movie ever, earning over $140 million. Let There Be Light was a movie that Kevin directed acted, produced, and this Fate family movie ranked number four out of the top 10 family movies of 2018. Fortunately, I was supposed to line produce it, but it didn't work out. The next one was Miracle in East Texas, a comedy based on a true story set in the 1930s, was another movie that Kevin directed and acted in, and it is released as scheduled sometime in late 2022, um, kind of held up by the pandemic. It also stars John Ratzenberger, Lou Gossett Jr., and Sam Sorbo. And I had the opportunity uh, and the pleasure to line produce this film in Calgary and work with Kevin for the first time. Sorbo also produced and narrated the documentary Against the Tide that follows the career of Oxford math professor John Lennox in his lifelong apologist debates against the world's most famous atheists like Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens. It was shot on location in Oxford and Israel. An upcoming movie, Reagan, about the life of Ronald Reagan, the President Reagan, with Dennis Quaid playing the late president, has Sorbo playing his pastor, and will also release in early uh, 2023. That's just the beginning. Principal film had just completed this past November, December of 2021 for the next Left Behind Rise of the Antichrist movie with Kevin Sorbo directing and acting in the movie based on the Jenkins LaHaye award-winning books. Uh, theatrical release is set for early 2023. 
And I once again had the great opportunity of being one of the producers on this and filming again in Calgary, Canada. Uh, also releasing in 2022 is a documentary, Eaten with the Enemy. And Sorbo uh, narrates this interesting look at the Last Supper and the 12 Disciples. So that's just a little bit of uh, Kevin's film stuff. Besides that, he's written two books, his memoir, True Strength, uh, My Journey from Hercules to Mere Mortal and How Nearly Dying Saved My Life, chronicles his near-death experience when he suffered three strokes and his battle back to regain his life. He also wrote the follow-up book, Through Fate, Embracing Adversity to Live in God's Light with his wife, Sam. Kevin was also the recipient of the Lee Greenwood Patriot Award in 2021. And I, I could go on and on and on, but no, I'm going to right now, I'm going to welcome Kevin to the show. And hey, uh, hey brother, thank you for uh, joining me today and being part of it. And no worries. Good to be here. See, man. It's good to yeah. see you. I, I yeah. got you list all that stuff. I guess I'm, it sounds like I'm pretty busy. <laughs> hey, you know, and I had to edit it. I cut it down a little bit because I'd be, I'd be on talking for a lot longer for sure. Um, <laughs> and it, it's, it'd be better to be talking with you. So, Kevin, I always started out and I kind of hinted at it. My first two questions of the show is, do you remember the first time we met? And I think I kind of set that one up already, but. Um, well, I had to be, I had to be in Alabama, right? In Birmingham. Did we, did we meet before that? No, see that was, yeah, we didn't get to meet in Alabama. Unfortunately, that felt the situation didn't come together. I was supposed to be on that with uh, uh, Let There Be Light. And then, oh, that's right. That's right. So then obviously it was with uh, Miracle in East Texas. That's right. So we met up in Calgary yeah. when, when you showed up in Calgary yeah. and sat down and we set up a reading and everything. So that was our first time, yeah. first movie. And then we got a chance to do two of them in the same place, which was fantastic. Yeah, because James, uh, your other partner there, James Q, was uh, he was at Let There Be Light in Birmingham. Right. And he had originally told me about it. And yeah. for whatever reason, it kind of Yeah, he work. said you were busy or something else going on at that time. But uh, that was... That was my first experience with James. And then um, uh, we had just an amazing time shooting up in Calgary with uh, Miracle East Texas. And, and hopefully, God willing, it's going to finally get out there, you know. So uh, it's, it's due. The good thing about a movie like that, you know, it's set in, a, set in 1930, you know. So it's not, it's, it's not a movie that's going to matter when it comes out in terms of people viewing it. But it's just a matter of now getting it out there because it's well, you know we we were at ten film festivals with it. It won all kinds of awards, everything from best family movie to best faith based movie, which was kind of weird because it's not it's not heavily faith based, right? Um, it's got a solid message in it, but it's not like a Kendrick's Brothers movie, which is really like Christian in your face type movie. But this is a true story set in 1930, and uh, um, it's just a wonderful script. Dan Gordon wrote it. As you know, Dan's become a good friend for all of us here and uh, Academy nominated writer for the hurricane that he that he uh, wrote for Denzel Washington. And um, it's just it was just a, a wonderful movie and wonderful to be part of. And it's amazing what we did that movie on because it looks like a 10 million dollar movie. And, uh, you know, we didn't have 10 million dollars, trust me, but it looks <laughs> yeah. great. The movie a lot looks less great. than 10 million. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and the challenge was, I, you know, I'm sure you remember, but, you know, I got up there three weeks before we started shooting. Yeah. It was my first time up in uh, Calgary. And, you know, you came up and we had basically what we shot it in. Um, I think it was uh, uh, 18 days or something. Yeah, um, all right. 18 yeah, days. So we had 18 days to do it. You know, and one of the things, you know, I was impressed by, I mean, you one, you knew everything about it. It was a great story. It was fun. Um yeah. But it was challenging to shoot a movie like that with 
going back into the 30s, we had to build all rigs. We had to do a lot of stuff and to be yeah. able to pull that off and then film it in 18 days. And, you know, you as a director, we didn't have like, you know, people are used to and we told the crew we weren't going to have long days and we didn't. You know, no. we had 12 hour days. You knew what you wanted and you did it. So that was yeah. the first experience. I think, you know, um, I've seen the movie a couple of times at uh, uh, Las Vegas Festival where you spoke. Yep. And then we, of course, screened it yeah. up in Canada for all the people who helped us uh, last time we were up there. Yeah, when we were just filming just last year. Yeah, we had a screening up there as well. You know, it's it's interesting. I got people say, how can you shoot a movie that quick? Well, it's not easy, certainly. That's um, right. Uh, you know, we were, we, we were fortunate to find the cars that we were able to find that were 1930 or earlier. Still working these vehicles. Uh, Canada, where we were in Calgary, has one of two working trains still on tracks. There's only two in all of North America that were pre-1930. So uh, to be able to use that that train is also great production value for the movie. But uh, uh, very fortunate to, to work with the people we worked with because everybody busted their tail. I'll tell you, to put the things that together as quickly as it did. They didn't think we could get this put together in three weeks, and we did. Um, and then when we shot it over those 18 days as well, um, I tell people all the time, I go, look, unless it's, you're doing a, a James Cameron movie where he's got three, $400 million to play with and he's got, you know, 7,000, you know, FX shots. Um, Clint Eastwood did a movie called billion dollar baby, no million dollar baby, right? Million dollar baby. Right. And, uh, it won best picture, best supporting actor, best actress. And they shot that in 27 days. And I'm I'm a I'm a disciple of Clint Eastwood. I love the fact that he shoots eight or nine hour days. I mean, it shows you that there's a lot of time wasted on the set. It doesn't have to be. And I think these young directors come and they think they got to work 16 hour days and you don't have to. You can get through the day if you've got a good first AD cracking the whip and a director saying, hey, where are we as well? I always acted like a, an assistant first AD on the set of Hercules and Andromeda where I always get on set and go, what are we waiting for? Let's shoot something, you know. I mean, there's just you, you can move things along and get things done, but you just have to you, just, you, just you get it done. That, you said that many times on Miracle <laughs> in East Texas. <laughs> I remember. And you know, but the thing was the crew loved it because you know, we weren't wasting time and making people oh. go long hours. And you know, and, and I think on average we shot eleven hour days. We weren't shooting even the full twelve hours. I think overall, I think two days maybe went over a little bit when they had really heavy, heavy days. Well, but, we had some uh, we, weather one day at nighttime when it rained yeah. and everything that was a little bit challenging yeah. for all of us. Yeah, the rain, that one. Oh, man. <laughs> that, one, yeah, that, that was just that was just frustrating because, you know, we're setting that shot up and you just hear the thunder and you look it up and you go, oh, it's not looking good. And sure enough, it hit. But uh, we got pretty lucky. I, I remember yeah. there's one scene. Um, there's a scene in there where we, we actually planted a cottonwood tree um, that was on this ranch. And uh, we'd shot it all and we did everything with it. The tree was still there on this 3,000 acre uh, working ranch we shot on. And um, also remember that windstorm that came up? And they warned us about these windstorms. And yeah. it was like 80, 80 mile an hour gust. I mean, we had tents flying. Luckily, nobody got hurt because we had right, these tents with these Yeah, poles. we had things locking, locked things down and still it wasn't enough. No, and it ripped off every leaf off that tree, that young tree. I mean, it was about <laughs> a, what, a 15, 20 foot tree. That's and right. somebody said that's a wrap on the cottonwood tree <laughs> because it was not going to be able to be used anymore after that. But uh, it was uh, I, I'm very proud of the film. I'm proud of the, uh, what we put together. It's pretty well, cool. I can't I can't wait till it gets out because I think it's got to get out. It, it's so yeah. much fun. And yeah. yet being such a true story and every yeah. piece of it, I think the acting and everything, it was uh, 
just, you know, one of the best. And, you know, here's the funny thing, because I we had three weeks prep on it. And, and, and then I go back to um, and then I end up having, you know, I think we had about three weeks again. So we keep having very yeah. little time to put this in the next, the last movie that we did together was even bigger, much bigger and had a lot more moving pieces even. Yeah. Um, but, you know, once again, we pulled it off in the same kind of dynamic because of yeah. your style of directing. And I think you're right. Clint Eastwood is a, is a perfect person to role model as to how to direct. I mean, you know, you know what? I was just talking to um, a, a friend of mine who's, who works, has worked with Clint and worked with his son before. And he said, you know, Clint at 92 years old has one more. He wants to do one more film for sure. So they're looking for one more film to, for him to do. And because he had he had a uh, his, he had a script that get down the, got down to the last two that Clint was debating on. He ended up not doing either of them. So they're still looking for a script to finish off, you know, doing one more movie at 92 years of age. But I've known Clint a long time. I'm not good buddies with him. I've golfed with him. Right. And uh, I've met him a number of times at different social events. I'm still on the mailing list for whenever they have a premiere of any of his movies. So I probably have been about five of their premieres. And every time he sees me, Kev, how you doing? He knows who I am. And I go, Clint, one line. All I want. I just <laughs> want to be in a Clint Eastwood movie. I, my ego's not that big. I don't have to be the lead. One line. I just want to say I was in a Clint movie. But Well, maybe uh, maybe there's one coming up. Uh, a buddy of mine, a uh, director buddy of mine, um, Martin Gigi, who's a musician as well, he just directed a movie called Sweetwater, which is uh, based on a true story of the first African-American basketball player who played for the New York Knicks. And hmm. he did it under the auspices of uh, uh, Clint Eastwood's company. So Clint oh, was- really? Yeah, and they filmed it up at Warner Brothers. Unfortunately, cool. I was up in Minnesota because he wanted to give me a part in it, acting, and I, I couldn't oh, get back man. to do it. So I was bummed, totally bummed. Yeah. But we and got another movie. You were shooting in my home state. I know. So I was bummed for not yeah. – you were bummed that I didn't get, get you on that one, and I was yeah, bummed. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I was supposed to shoot in Minnesota here about a month ago, and they – it was supposed to be like three months ago, then two months. And now they've moved it for the like fourth time. I don't know when they're going to do it now. Um, it's been very frustrating. Well, <laughs> there's uh, a, a film commission up there. It's called uh, uh, Upper Minnesota Film Office. Um, and they, you know, I posted something and they were like, Kevin's got to come back. We love Kevin. Kevin's uh, Kevin's our, you know, one of our uh, folks here. So I think hopefully we'll get an you know, somewhere in the future, we'll find yeah, a way I would to love to shoot. I've never shot my home state other than commercials. I mean, I shot commercials growing up, you know, through college. I shot for like Target and 3M and Best Buy and Dairy Queen and all that stuff. I mean, that's how I got that SAG card you need so much to, you know, be able to get other acting jobs. But uh, never been back to shoot a movie there. So I was excited. And you're going to Duluth. You'll be up there. I think if you're going to get up there in October, they have a thing called Grandma's Run. And it's, oh, no, uh, we, it's, were we were there for, they did Grandma's Run. Oh, were you? Yeah, we were there in, um, uh, it was, they did it in June. And, okay. And, and matter of fact. It's a marathon. About, yeah. Yeah. So what we had to do, you know, I had two weeks of prep on that movie, which was the shortest I've ever done in my life. And wow. we had to finish the movie the day before Grandma's Run because they kicked us out of our hotels. So. Oh, Wow because of well, everybody had already booked grandma's run which is what it's a unique and we we stood outside and watched it it was fabulous sure they yeah. also have a thing coming up the university of uh, minnesota duluth does their hockey team their division one hockey and the minnesota gophers will come up and it's called the gopher weekend and they have a thing called the case-a-thon where everybody tries to drink a case of beer before the game starts so good luck Oh man, <laughs> I, I think I think I'm going to try and pass on that one. I'll let James. Yeah. I'll let James just have, just have one beer and go to the game. It's 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 a great rivalry. It's it's pretty fun. Yeah. 
Anyway, with the second question, since we kind of went off on a lot of good oh, stuff that's okay. here. Yeah, <laughs> man. My second question, which really leads into a lot of stuff later with you too in your book, is sure. what does live courageously mean to you? Because you've had a, 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 a lot of episodes in your life where you've lived courageously sure. for sure. So what does that mean to you? And what's that kind of, um, how does well, that elevate? I mean, don't let anyone set your limitations. The heck with this woke world is cancel culture, people. I mean, look, I've been I'm getting canceled now from autograph shows because maybe 10 people will write in and say, well, if he shows up, we're going to riot. And these 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 Comic-Con guys fold. So all of a sudden, these punks out there are able to control, you know, me getting uh, me, me. You know, Comic-Cons are like a side job for me. And I enjoy doing it because I like to meet my fans. I've been sure. to plenty of Comic-Cons through the years. I've probably been my gosh, I've been going to them for 20 years. And uh you know, there are people that don't want to come up and get an autograph for whatever reasons. That's fine. I don't care. But I have a number of fans that come up and want to meet with me. So when these punks, these people that, you know, let me, I'm going to sidetrack again here. I, it's so easy to go down the road to who these people are. I guarantee you these people are probably being paid by George Soros, living up your tax dollars of mine. They're 35 years old, living in the basement of their mom's house. Uh, they have no job. They have no relationship. These are people that, you know, don't like that you are successful or that I am successful or anybody's successful. They've given up on all their dreams and, uh, you know, one failure in life and it's everybody's fault. They blame a God they don't believe in. They blame you and me and the world when they got to look in the mirror and admit to the fact that they're the ones who are the problem. But um, it's amazing to me that we got to put up with these punks. But here we go. And so to me, it's like, don't give into it. Look, I, I got very vocal years ago and my wife, Sam, said, you better be careful. They're, you know, I'm, I'm like one of the original cancel culture people because Hollywood pretty much booted me out. Thank God for independent movies because I love the industry. Hollywood owes me nothing. I just find it sad that we can't find a way to work together. I mean, I don't ho I don't harbor that anger and hate that they do on the left, which blows me away. So, yes, for those who don't know, yes, I'm a righty. I'm a conservative. I'm a capitalist. <laughs> the way America was – how do you think America was made? I mean, all these studios can claim that they're for socialism. No, they're not. You don't think Disney and, and Universal want to make money? Of course, they're in the capitalist system. It's all about money. What do you think Pfizer's doing? You know, so it's uh, let's not pretend, our, pretend ourselves that we think socialism, Marxism, and communism is a good thing. Why do you uh, think people? Uh, pardon? No, go keep going. No, but why do you think people still want to try to come to America? They realize that the American dream still be alive and well, but now you get attacked for living the American dream. We got, we got to work on our hearts. So I'm telling people out there, don't let people set your limitations. Don't be afraid. Fear is a great weapon. As you see, our government uses fear as a weapon against all of us. And we got to keep fighting the good fight and not give up. Because I'm telling you, it's, the road round right now is not a good road. And you can see it. You can see the crime in our cities and the hatred and the anger and the divisiveness going on. And that's perpetuated by, by the uh, school system, public schools, universities, and certainly per perpetuated by um, the media. And it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, I remember when the riots just, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, people, buildings blowing up and you got the CNN reporter going, this is a very peaceful, you know, a demonstration going on. And people are getting mugged and shot. And it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. It, it, what a weird time we're living in right now. So I tell people, just keep fighting the good fight and don't let fear rule your life. It's just, it's a waste of time to sit there and let these people control you through fear. Don't be afraid yeah. to stick up for you. You all know what's right. So just stick around for you know what's right. I'm going to pivot back to that uh, later. Um, but I want to kind of take you a little bit more in your personal journey in particular, sure. you know, some of the stuff you want. But I just do want to comment on what you know you said, too, because, you know, I think people sometimes because people live in such bubbles, they don't get to know who people really are. And so they have yeah. these 
you know, the, the media gives them ideas of who people are as opposed to getting to know people sure. and, and knowing who they really are. And I'll just say this and then I'll, I want to get to your book real quick. But, you know, when I, when I met you and we went up to uh, worked in Canada, but the first time and the second time, I think one of the things that kind of blew people's minds was how you start, you know, because it always starts with the top and leadership, but how you and the rest of the team treated everybody with respect and like they were part of our family. And they didn't, you know, and, and that kind of people because had people had all this um, ways that they thought we were going to be or you were going to be. Sure. And then they realized we were the exact opposite, that we yeah. came there and, and you know, we treated the people, you know, just like the Bible. We treated people the way we wanted to be treated with respect. And, and that's the way you should carry yourself in the world. But, you know, you did that and you set the tone up there. And that was my experience working with you. But the other thing about living courageously is just pivot. And I'm going to just throw up a picture of your of your um, your book, which tells uh, true strength, which is the uh, first memoir you wrote. And, um, you know, I mean, here is a situation you went through personally, yeah. and then we'll get back to some of this other stuff, but how you went through, you know, you ended up with three strokes and how you dealt with that and came back and came strong. So why don't you share a little bit of that with the audience and what you did in writing that book? What's the message that you shared with people as you went through that? Well, um, you know, it was just quickly how it all happened. Uh, it was the end of season five in Hercules. Obviously, I lived in New Zealand for seven years, filming all seven years of that series. I was having all kinds of problems. My shoulder couldn't figure what was going on. My heart, my arm was weird. My fingers were cold and numb. Couldn't figure what was going on. Came back to America. I was doing publicity in my first big budget movie, Call the Conqueror. And I was traveling the country. I was doing Letterman, Lena, all the talk shows. Um, finally went to see my doctor in L.A. and they found a lump way up here. And uh, at the time, he thought it was cancer. He didn't tell me. He told me this after everything else happened. And um, I went to see my chiropractor. In the eight years I've seen my chiropractor, it's never cracked my neck ever because I don't like my neck cracked. No, nope, mm. don't like it. I'm <laughs> laying on and He knows this. He's never cracked it. I'm laying there on, my, on, the, on my back, and I hear a voice over and over again, don't let him crack your neck. Huh. Repeating, don't let him crack your neck louder. And I'm going, why, why am I hearing this voice saying don't let well, he cracks my neck. That ended up being an aneurysm that for months had been spitting blood clots slowly into my arm, suffocating the blood flow into my fingers and causing all the pain and everything. Well, that cracked this way because it was so, it was way up here in my left subclavicle. It was so close to the artery feeding into the uh, brain. That crack, they call it retrograde flow is what neurologists call it. And it threw uh, four clots actually into my brain because it was my speech as well. My speech came back very, fairly quickly. Um, but I spent the next three years because I had two, two going to my balance center. One went to my vision. I still have a 10% loss of vision in both eyes, mm. uh, but it came back from what it used to be. It's much better than what it used to be. Um, but uh, it took me, it took me four months to learn how to walk and balance again. And I was supposed to start another movie for Universal. Obviously, I couldn't do it. I was bedridden and just trying to get myself going again because I was going to start filming the next week. And then. Um, it took me three years to fully recover. When I went back to do season six on Hercules, I went from a 14-hour workday down to one hour a day until, you know, like every four months, we'd add a couple more hours. It slowly built it back up. And I appreciated that. I mean, Universal did it because at that time, we were the most watched TV show in the world in 176 countries. I appreciated it because it gave me hope. It gave me this light at the end of a very long and dark tunnel on that part of my life. And um, it took me three years to kind of feel normal again. I still have limitations that I'm aware of. Uh, when I get overly tired, I still, I told you the vision thing can be weird sometimes, but overall it's still pretty good. 
Uh, I didn't want to write the book. My wife, Sam, bugged me and bugged me to write the book because it's the male ego, right? We don't want to show the world how weak we are, especially a guy playing Hercules on TV. So mm. I didn't write the book until years after the strokes. It was like 13 years after the strokes. Wow. And um, I, it was tough to write. I took my time to write it. The hardest thing for me was doing the audiobook because I did, did it over two days and to kind of go through it and that when I was only writing a chapter a month and taking my time with it. Um, and, and it was kind of put it all together as it kind of was emotional for me because I was like reliving it. But all of a sudden I started doing only speaking events because of it. And I got to tell you, it had, it's my wife was right. It was a godsend because I had people of all ages, all walks of life come up to me when I was doing all these book signings saying, look, I had a car crash survivor, I'm a cancer survivor, I'm a stroke survivor, I'm whatever it may be. Um, they said my book motivated them to stop feeling sorry for themselves because the book really has positive messages in it. It's got a lot of humor in it. It's got a couple other chapters written by people close to me in my life saying about what they, so the changes they saw in me. Um, but it was, you know, the re reality is we're all going to hit roadblocks in life. How do you react to that roadblock? It's once again, so easy to blame everybody else. Um, every time I got down, my wife said, Kevin, it happened. What are you going to do about it? And that's mm. the mentality I had to bring into it because I know with myself, I'm very strong willed. It's something I got from my parents. My parents were both raised on farms in Iowa. And, you know, my dad was the only child, couldn't go into sports. He would have been a good athlete. All four, I'm one of four boys. We all went into sports. So we lived vicariously through us and all of our football and basketball and baseball adventures. But uh, he had a he had a hard work in life as a kid because he was the only kid on the farm with my dad, my grandfather. So um, he just always instilled hard work. Don't expect handouts. Don't expect anybody, you know, boom, do it yourself. And that's always been with me. And I'm very driven. I'm still driven to this day. So to me, it, well, I think because of my age and my 30s at the time and the physical strength I had because of, you know, doing the series, but I was always a good athlete. I got through this far better than I would have if I was an 80 year old guy getting four strokes, you know. So um, I got through it. You know, I passed every physical they could throw at me. I did the last two seasons of Hercules. I did five years right after that on Andromeda, 110 episodes there. And I've shot over 70 movies since. And I passed every physical you can throw at me. So I tell people never, ever give up. Once again, it's not only letting people set your limitations, but especially yourself. You got to right. push. You got to push. You got to push. We're all, everybody's got a story out there watching now. I know that. Everybody's got a story. How do you get past all that? How do you get not, that roadblocks in front of you? What do you got to do to get around it? And my book um, obviously has been helpful to me, but it's been helpful to many other people as well. And to this day, I still do about 15 speaking events a year around the country, whether it's motivational, whether it's on my book, whether it's meeting with doctors. I mean, I spoke to 1600 neurologists in San Diego. I mean, it's been, uh, it's been interesting. It's been another, another road. I never thought I'd be going down. I mean, I'm not afraid to get up in front of a group of people, but I never thought I'd be doing public speaking, but I've already done like four or five more this year. I've got another five lined up. So, uh, fact i'm heading out to um, i got another movie i'm filming right after that movie I'm, I'm heading to kentucky to speak there and then i got one in fontana fontana california i'll be flying in ontario airport thank god it's not lax i'll take <laughs> ontario airport much better much oh, you nicer have to let airport. me know when that is i'll come out man sure sure i will i will um, it's, uh, it's in october i think it's like when is it it's in uh, october i'll, I'll let uh, you know. I, I may be you might gone. be gone i might be gone unfortunately yeah you're but probably gonna not, be gone but, you know, the, that other thing you say, like everybody out there in the audience and we all have stories. But, yeah. you know, the, the question is, what is your story? You know, you can tell yourself any kind of story. You can tell yourself a story that you're a victim and then you stay a victim for the rest of your life. Yeah. Or you tell yourself a better story and you live a better story. And that's kind of what, you know, you did. 
with the book, True Strength, you told a better story. You told the story of overcoming, the story of basically never giving up. And that's the story we all have. We all have the ability to tell that story that we're never going to give up, no matter what life throws at us. But we got to choose to tell that story. You know, otherwise, uh, otherwise people choose the story about, hey, life is, you know, woe is me. Life is bad. Look what happened to me. Yeah, it, it yeah. did. And now what you're going to do about it? What are you going to do to overcome it? What are you going to do to go forward and turn that into a better story and a better life? That's your choice. And you do. You know, we, we have tens you know? of millions of people in this country, you know, around the world that sit there and want to be the victim. Oh, I'm a victim. Woe was me. Woe was me. You know what? Nobody owes you anything. Like I said, Hollywood doesn't owe me anything. It's sad to me that I can't be up for big, bigger TV shows or bigger movies now, but I love the movies that I'm doing anyway. I'm doing movies with a positive message because I'm going to do that. You see right. all the stuff coming out of Hollywood, out, out, of, out of the cable outlets and everything like that. It's filled with nothing but more anger, more hate, over-sexualized, just boom, boom, beating us over the brain and just brainwashing all of us. I don't do movies that made me want to be an actor in the beginning, that I grew up watching these old Hollywood movies with Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn, Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant. I want to do movies that that had more of a positive message. They don't have to be biblical. They don't have to be, you know, a, a church driven at all. They just movies that have love in there movies that have hope in there. Things that we need right now in the world more than ever, because you see what's going on. So I, that's when we keep doing the movies that I'm doing because movies that, uh, I, I get stopped all the time. It used to be Hercules Andromeda, but I'm going through airports, hotel lobbies, restaurants. People stop me and they say, hey, we love what you're doing. Please do more of it. There's 80 million homes out there that want the kind of movies I do. And why Hollywood is dissing them. I mean, here's a perfect example of a movie that came out that's a big budget movie, but it didn't have an agenda. It didn't have pushing something that is like, okay, enough of this stuff already. The, the latest Top Gun movie with Tom right. Cruise. It's a phenomenal movie. It's just a great, uplifting movie. And you watch it and you kind of go, yeah. And Hollywood should take note of that because they see people's response to that right now. I mean, they see that what's going on instead of the what they're doing to all the Marvel characters now. We're doing, I'm just like, oh my gosh. You know, it's like, it's like, can we just make a movie that's just a good movie? And they did it with that. And, you know, they got the bigger budget to advertise. You know, the movies that we're doing, I don't have a hundred million dollar budget like James Cameron does. Or uh, the Marvel guys who just sit there and be, you know, show the trailer of their movie in every sporting event and every every movie theater before the movie that uh, people went to see. You see, what do we see? Seven trailers before the movie even starts. So, um, you know, our battle is word of mouth with good movies, and that's what we got to do. And, and you know, like you said, I think people, you know, Hollywood calls it, and, and we'll kind of uh, circle back to that in, in, in later as well. Sure. But you know, they call it flyover country. You know, because. All those people in, a, or what we call America, <laughs> you no. know, um, those people want those kind of movies that inspire them, that, that sure entertain do. them, that they can take their family to and have a great night out with your family and come away entertained and maybe yep. inspired a little bit, maybe get a little bit of hope, maybe get a little bit of fun. All that combined, you know, not negativity, not division, not all hatred, all that other nonsense. Um, but they don't get enough of that. And that's kind of, I think, what we get to do is to be participate in those kind of movies of all different types. But I think the but, country and the people need more of them. They need more. But how do we get it out there? That's the problem. That's we, the like I said, we don't have the big budget. God's not dead was an anomaly. A $2 million movie makes 140 million bucks. That was, was just, an anomaly. That caught just fire through word of mouth. And that's, it's the toughest thing to do because you know, all these ad agencies say you need seven imprints of a commercial to really, ask, I'm gonna go out and buy that soap now, you know, right. or I'm gonna go see that movie. Well, I, we don't have that kind of budget in the movies we do. We gotta rely on, you know, here's the thing. 
I wish there was some kind of an app that went out to all the families out there that want the movies that you and I have been doing lately. So, because then that app, we would post a trailer and say, boom, it's going to open this weekend. Please, you know, support it in theaters. Because you and I both know these people that own the movie theaters, they don't care what they show. They want to sell popcorn and sodas. So if you got a movie that does very well opening weekend, they'll keep it out there for another week. If it Absolutely. is horrible, not when that doesn't mean necessarily it's a horrible movie, but if nobody shows up for whatever reasons, they yank it after three days, it's gone. Yeah, they're in a they're in the business and they they need to make money and they need yep. to survive. And yep. you know, it's absolutely true. But you know, your your what you just said, someone's listened to the show, maybe you know, that down the road, that app, someone will uh, develop that app. It, it clearly is something that is uh yeah, that's needed for for the independent world so that we can sure. compete. Because at the end of the day, the pandemic showed us one thing too. I mean, you know, it th there was that slogan that we're all in the same boat that they kept promoting to us, which was a bunch of BS because we weren't in the same so boat. Was. You know, we were we were in a small boat. They were in a yacht. You know, they were they were yeah. having an easy life. We were having a struggle because they were making it harder for us. But that's the same true in all other aspects yeah. with the Indies. We're not in the same boat as them. We're we're in a smaller boat. They're in their yachts. And we need to the, the most of the people out there who want the content we want. Those are the average folks. They're not the people floating around in yachts. Um, they, they want this content. We just got to find a way to create that marketing and that promotion to be able to get yeah. it out there and make it successful financially. Sure. Well, John, you know, I, I mean, as you know, uh, there's not as many movies being made right now. Overall, if you go back, you got to go back 20 years when Hollywood was making seven, 800 movies a year, all the major studios. They're not even making half of that anymore right now. So that's been a blessing, I think, to the independent world because it's it's cheaper now without being a negative about it, like anything with technology, camera equipment, lighting, all that kind of stuff because it keeps progressing. You can shoot really low-budget movies but make them look great. The production value can be really good. And there's a lot of people out there on both sides of the camera that love the industry because we're in the industry that that – doesn't matter what side of the camera you're on, people want to be in. That's a rare thing. I mean, I've got plenty of friends who work at, oh, I hate my job, I hate that. You don't sit there and go, ah, I, I guess I'll be an actor. I don't want to be an actor. Oh, I <laughs> guess I'll be a, a camera operator. I don't want to be. Yeah, they do. It's a business yeah. that on either side of the camera, people really want to be part of. And I love the creative process. I love working with everybody. I love working with different departments and things like that. I don't try to tell the camera people how to do their job. I don't try to tell the makeup and hair people and the costume people how to do their job. I can tell them what I'm looking for. I can say, you know, this, put, uh, give me a lens that shows me this, you know? So, but, but you want to hire people that love their job and know what they're doing. And I think that's the blessing with these independent movies. There's a lot of them out there, but the hardest thing is trying to raise money for good movies. You know, it I do is. movies in the three, $4 million range. People, you know, watching might go, wow, that's a lot of money. It ain't, as you know, when, when these $300 million movies are coming out, three, $4 million, that's catering. That's the yeah. catering budget on those. Not movies. even the catering budget on that. Oh my God. Yeah. I know. It's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But you, you know, you're right. I mean, you know, you like you too, you grew up in, in uh, Minnesota. I grew up in the yep. South Bronx. I mean, you know, I worked. We had uh, different upbringings. Yeah. <laughs> very different. <laughs> uh, I, I worked in the factories. I worked in the post office for five years, you know, and like you said, we're in an industry, what we do now, I don't feel like I work a day. It could be 18 hours. It could be 20 hours. I, I feel blessed that I get to do what I do because I love it. And yeah. you're right. This industry is like that for people. When we were up in Duluth, for example, uh, in your state, the, the people in that town just loved that we were there and that we were, you know, we were talking to them. We tell them what the story was. 
And they were just so happy that we were part of that and sharing it in their community. So, you know, it, it is it is a uh, a blessing that we get to do what we do and uh, and the people who work in our industry, most of them recognize it. There's some who, you know, complain, but, you know, in general, most of them recognize that, you know, we're, we're lucky. We're lucky. We well, get you know, I was going to get the complainers. I mean, come on, you know, we live in a society right now. People are just looking to be, be offended. <laughs> Like, yeah. What's good? What What do you want to be offended about today? I don't know. What do you got? You know. So it's just well, it's I'm, so ridiculous. I'm, I'm going to jump to something in a minute, but I'm just give me a minute. I want to kind of a couple people made some comments, and I just want to read them real quick and throw them out there. Um, people just you know as they listen to us, friends of yours, friends of mine. Um, one is Dave Ausbach, a, a military vet. He said that he had the honor of working with you on Annie Nelson's America Heroes plot, and he also has a script called Veterans Day that he wants me to have you direct at some point. So we'll talk about that later, but he's a great uh, army veteran and a great guy. We did. Tell him, tell him to fund it quick. Yeah. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> Get some money, man. Uh, Tom Warner says a shout out to you. Candace is so said, so sick of the woke culture. Um, Rosemary is says you two are a joy to listen to. Crystal says, go work, oh, go woke, go broke. Uh, uh, your boy, James Q Quattrochi says, Hey, Kevin. Um, you know, somebody else says, thanks for writing your book. And Ken Waters says, Hollywood needs more patriots like uh, Mr. Sorbo um, and a bunch of other people. Just I, I'll get to some more later as I close out the show. William Brower. Hey, Kevin. But anyway, to go back, one of the things that, you know, you you got uh, 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 that I always liked and um, some of your and I watched them on Twitter. You got like a million followers on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and, closing uh, in on 1.2 million. Closing in. Closing in on 1.2. Well, Face, you know, Facebook, Facebook took me down a year and a half ago. I was posting the truth. Zuckerberg is a bit of a wuss, but he, he doesn't like the truth. He hates the truth. I would love to meet with him and have a debate with him. I really would. I, I, I'd like to sit down with him because I saw him recently in the Joe Rogan podcast. And I thought it was ah. kind of interesting how he hemmed and hawed his way through that because Joe, you know, Joe wasn't going to let him off the hook. He's pretty fair right. in his interviews. And uh, it's pretty interesting what these guys are doing. But they took me down for speaking the truth. One sure. of my Twitters was, hey, I need some more conspiracy theories because mine keeps coming true. And it was <laughs> true because everything I said was true. I've got a couple of friends who are pharmacists. They told me this. This is right in the heart of the. This like right in the middle of 2020 when the COVID thing. When they're saying fear, stay at home, don't do anything. Um, they said they told me and this went across the country, by the way, that they the government came to them and said take all your ivermectin off the shelves and store it away. This is six months before COVID came out. Why were they doing that? This thing was planned beyond plan. There's no conspiracy thing here. Why would they take ivermectin off? And now, just yesterday, I got a, a business email saying that, and it was like, this goes to everybody if they follow these people, that ivermectin now they realize was 93% curable for people with COVID. 93%, but they took it off the market. Why? Let's talk to Pfizer. Can we get Pfizer on the line here, please? <laughs> well, two, two things in. One is I don't know if you've been on Joe Rogan, but you would you would be great if, if I'm, you, I'm, we're working on it. We're working it. on it. I, it. I'm not good buddies with the guy, but we haven't seen him in years. But we used to get, you know meet see each other in castings back back well, in the late eighties. It stuff. would just be a fun show, obviously. Yeah. to have you you and him. I'd love, to, I'd love to do it. I'd love yeah. to do it. Um, and, and then you know with your tweets, what I like about them, like the one you just said, you know, is just a, a lot of the times they're just short, snappy, and funny. You know, and um, uh, you know, you just kind of catch people with, you know, whatever the quotes are. And there's some that I pay attention to that, 
you know, it, it's. I post once a day. Let people know. Go to K Sorbs. K Sorbs, not Sorbo. Sorbs are my buddies. Call me Sorbs. K Sorbs. Follow me on Twitter. Follow um, on Another Twitter. big one I had is when right in the heart of COVID, I said, you want to get rid of COVID? Tell the Clintons that COVID's got something on them. There you go. <laughs> but, but, you know, the same thing with ivermectin. I mean, I, I, I got COVID up in uh, your town in um, Minnesota. Sure. Uh, for After two years, I've been everywhere out there doing everything. And then, you know, I knew eventually it would happen. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't all that bad. I was prepared. I took ivermectin. So, you know, it hits everybody differently. I don't poo-poo it. I know there's, it's really bad. It's certainly bad for elderly yeah. people. But even Johns Hopkins University about six months ago came out with it. Now, this is a liberal university, guys. This isn't me. I'm going off what they posted. They said saying that over 900,000 people have died from it. They said it's just an exaggeration. It's about 150,000, which is still a lot. That's yeah, about lot. three times more than the average flu season, okay? But this number thing they're playing because we were paying – with our tax dollars, the hospitals to mark things down as COVID. For sure. every COVID case, $19,000 went to it in hospital. Why are we paying $19,000? Paying $39,000 if you said it was a COVID death. Why? What What do we, I mean, this makes no sense well, to me whatsoever. Well, but that's you, what they, they were doing that. Yeah, and like you said, when you got you got banned on, on Facebook uh, and you love to have yeah. that conversation with uh, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, a lot of people have gotten banned on all those social medias. Sure. And then when they got back on, what they were saying was true that they got banned for. Yeah, so, you know, exactly. Like, what I got taken down for is exactly the, for speaking the truth. Yeah, Alex Berenson. I could say it. To, I could say it today on Facebook. They would yeah. let me say it today. Yeah, Alex Berenson, yeah. who's a writer who got banned from Twitter, got back on and talked about all the stuff about COVID and all the plan behind it. I mean, whether you, whatever you believe, the thing is, why are you afraid to have a conversation with people who have different points of view? Why can't we? Exactly. Why can't we have a debate between doctors who think one thing and doctors who think another thing? We used to when we went to a doctor, we'd all go get a second opinion. I want a second opinion. Right. I like three opinions, sometimes four. I don't even like the second opinion. I want to make sure that there's, you know, it it seems to make sense to me. But, you know, they've they've tried to create a world where you just get one opinion. It's their opinion. And every other opinion has to be blocked. That's that's an old joke. That's an old joke where that, you know, the doctor comes in very gray faced and he says, look, I got nothing but bad news for you. You, What you have is very, very bad. And you only got about three weeks left to live. Says, what can I do for you? Says, well, you can find me a second opinion from another doctor. (laughs) Well, you know, I've, I've always been a contrarian. And, you know, I remember when I went, I blew my Achilles many years ago. I went to the doctor. And, and he made a mistake. He showed me a video about operating on the Achilles. And then, mm. but in, there was 10 seconds in there about putting the cast. And so when he came in, he said, okay, I'm going to set up an operation for you. And I said, no, no, wait, wait, let me ask you a question. What about just putting the cast? I saw that in that video it was like 10 seconds. And he said, well, why would you want to do that? I said, no, no. The question is, why wouldn't I want to do that? And he said, well, you know, it's better to operate. I said, well, yeah, I know you make money. I get that. I said, but why? I said, what's the difference? He said, well, you're going to lose mobility. I said, how much? He said, 1%. I said, I'll give you 2%. I don't care. I said, why do I need an operate? So he yeah. says, I guess we're not operating. And he, we didn't. And we ended up putting a cast. And I play basketball today. And I don't even know which leg it was on. So you got to question yeah. anybody. Doctor, you know, he wasn't Heck a bad yeah. guy. He was a nice guy. I wasn't making him wrong. I was just saying, it's my body. I get to decide this if I want to do something different. So, you know. That's the world we live in where we're supposed to not do that anymore. And that's just that's just garbage. Yeah, it's just weird. Look, when I got when I had my aneurysm, uh, when they rushed me to Cedar Sinai there in L.A., um, they wanted, you know, what they do, they cut, they go on there and try to you know fix it. Well, that's very risky. There's a lot of things that can yep. go wrong with that. Well, there, there was another doctor in there at the time, Dr. Mosier, thumbs up to Dr. Mosier. He came in and said, look, 
we've been experimenting with this new way to fi fix these aneurysms that will go into brains. We can go anywhere in the body with it. So they went through an, an angio through my groin, up into my heart, up to where it is. They put a platinum coil in there. They sealed it off that way. So it's far less intrusive. And I'm worth more money now because I got a platinum coil in there about the size of a quarter. But um, it was it, it's amazing how, you know, doctors, the first thing they want to do is just cut, 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 cut. Every other commercial on TV, if not more so, is with drug companies now. Right. There's one drug company after another pushing these, you know, they throw some more letters together, come up with another name. And then they list, you know, very quickly, the voiceover actor lists 47 side effects in about seven seconds. And you're like going, wow, uh, anal bleeding. I like that one as a side effect. <laughs> I want to try that drug, you know. So <laughs> it's just it's just bizarre to me that, uh, uh, you know, what's interesting about Lord Fauci? That's my new swear word. That's my new F word on golf courses now. <laughs> well, that's that, that's my that's substitute the other F word. I just yell Fauci every time I have a bad shot. I, I wish, but, by the way, uh, uh, Kevin loves his golf, um, and he is a, uh, a a big golfer, man. So yeah, go ahead, keep going with that. I am big. I love the game. Love the game. Um, but no, I just, I just, I, I, I look what this guy did, and there's videos of him in 2017 saying there's going to be a pandemic before President Trump's term is up. He says it. He admits to it. That's the weird thing about it. And then in, in another interview, just like within six months, somebody said, well, how long do you need really to get these to, before these drugs go out to the public? And he says seven, eight, up to 10 years. We need testing before it goes out. Do we have seven, eight to 10 years on the uh, pandemic, on the uh, on the COVID-19 vaccine? No, they rushed it in less than a year. Take the and, shot. Take the shot. Take the and, shot. You know, I mean, it's and, incredible to me. What, but at, once again, fear is the weapon they use, guys. Yeah, fear is what and, they and love. How many people, like all my friends, because I've, I've been on the left, I've been in the middle, I've been on the right politically, and I have all my friends who for years on the left didn't trust Big Pharma. Nobody trusted Big Pharma. They, I mean, yeah. that, was a, that was a curse word. Big Pharma was a curse sure. word, right? And then all of a sudden, overnight, <laughs> worship, not only just trusting them, but worshiping yeah. them. And you're going, yeah. wait, how did that happen? How did they go from, you know, being sued and creating all kinds of problems? And I'm not saying they're all oh. evil, they're all bad. But I'm saying but, you don't question anymore. You lost that ability. Yeah. And, the, and the left was always aside saying, don't trust the man, man. That's don't right. trust the man. You know? right. And that, that meant the government. And right, right now, all of a sudden, they, the government is their God. It's just it's it's just weird. It's, it's just it's a weird. bizarre world. We Well, I'm going to yeah. just go back a little bit. How did you go? And, and we'll go back to film and then come back to this again. Sure. But how did you, coming out of uh, Minneapolis, how did you get into the entertainment? Why were you attracted to acting and then... And then why did you start directing? So take us. You know, I was I was an 11 year old kid. Um, I grew up on Lake Minnetonka, beautiful Lake Minnetonka, in a little town called Mound, Minnesota. It's about 25 miles west of Minneapolis. And we were home to Tonka Toys. Get the tie in Lake Minnetonka, Tonka Toys. That's where the plant was. They made Tonka Toys. And uh, the Guthrie Theater is a very famous theater in downtown Minneapolis. It's where a lot of actors, not a lot of actors start, but a lot of Broadway actors go out there and a lot of plays start there. Like, for instance, Lion King was there before it moved to Broadway. Hmm. So um, there was, it was uh, my, my fifth grade class in, in uh, Hilltop Elementary. We took like three buses in to watch uh, The Merchant of Venice. It was Shakespeare. Now, I was 11. It was bloody Shakespeare. I didn't know what the heck they were saying on stage, but I was completely mesmerized by the actors. I was just, I was just boom. Um, and I told my mom, I said, you know, I, I want to be an actor. And she patted my leg and says, that's nice, dear. But uh, <laughs> the, the seed was set. And, you know, and I was a jock. I was a football, basketball, baseball dude. And so 
for me to sit there and admit that I want to be in acting classes when I got into high school, I got ribbed, man. I said, hey, the best looking girls are in acting class. I got to tell you right now. <laughs> but um, it wasn't until I really got to college, a double major in business, but I took a minor in drama. And um, I started doing a lot of commercials. As I mentioned, uh, as Minneapolis is host to a lot of big companies, 3M, Honeywell, Best Buy, Target, all these companies are based there. Um, so when I moved to LA, I just, uh, I just moved out there. didn't know anybody. I knew a friend of a friend where I found, you know, stayed at her and her boyfriend's apartment for like three months in Santa Monica until I found my own. Hmm. But, uh, the seed was set. And, um, I just, I, I, I'm one of the few actors that I know of that never had to work another job in LA. I did very well commercially. I shot over 150 commercials before I got Hercules. So I did a wow. lot of commercial work and that, as you know, the favorite word of actors is residuals. So it kept me alive. I was able to take the classes that I wanted to take. Uh, probably my best class I took was with Roy London, who's since passed away. But in my classes, along with me was Brad Pitt, was Matthew Perry, was Charlotte Ross. I mean, a lot of actors before their careers took off. And it was a really wonderful class to be part of. And uh, when I got Hercules, after seven auditions and 2,800 other actors competing for that role, um, when I got down to New Zealand, um, it was by our third year when I looked at the uh, studio, I said, Universal, I said, hey, I would love to start directing. And they didn't even blink. They said, go for it. So I, I've been DGA now. I've been SAG for 30. Do I have to admit my age? SAG for nah, almost, 40, almost, <laughs> almost 40 years, almost oh, 40 years. And I've been DGA for uh, 20, 20, 26 years now. Wow. And uh, start on Hercules and um, love it. I'm just doing more and more of it right now. I got a couple of the, that down the road. I'm trying to get funded that I want to direct. In fact, you, you're, you guys are, you and James are part of part of those other movies we're trying to raise money for right now. And uh, I hope we can make it happen. There's a great sci-fi movie in there. There's an action movie in there. So I'm mixing it up. I'm, I'm actually leaving soon. I leave this Friday. I'm shooting a, a zombie movie up in Montana. Then I go down to Mississippi to shoot a vampire movie. I'm playing a vampire. I always wanted to be in an interview with a vampire, so I'm finally <laughs> doing a vampire movie. And it's in that vein. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's it's about a director that wants to do a horror movie, and I have these crazy old houses that he gets, uh, you know, and he just starts to realize as the movie goes on, I really am a vampire. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Well, you know, like you said, uh, James Quattrochi, who was my, my partner producing, we did two movies together and um, working with Kevin on some future ones. But like like uh, you said, Kevin, if anybody has projects out there, like my other buddy Dave, the challenge is get the money. Let's put the yeah. money together. We can produce it. You know, we're not connected to bringing that kind of money. Um, you know, as you probably know, I, growing up in the South Bronx, I didn't hang out with too many rich people. I don't know where they were. I kept looking around, but there were none there. So, well, but, all, know, all my friends, all my friends, my clue, my dad was a teacher. All my, you know, we're all teacher right. friends. And, so we came from blue you know, collar. Not all, we don't have any from, money. I'm the fourth of five kids on a teacher's salary. Okay. That's <laughs> right. <good> luck. But, <laughs> but that's the, you know, the two challenges of, of making a movie, I always say, is obviously raising the finance. And so if anybody wants to help us with that for some of the projects we have or have projects, that's the first challenge. We know sure. how to make a movie and we know how to make great movies. And we and can then, shoot it anywhere. We know, we know, yeah. we, have, we got crews and we know where to shoot in anywhere in America. We can, we can put a crew together. And then the, the hot, the next part is making sure we get the distribution, get the audience and get people yep. to watch it. Cause that's, yep. those are the two more, the challenges, but we're willing to, uh, you know, work with people on that. You sure. know, but like you said, you started acting, then you, you, you went to DJ for all those amount of years, started doing some of that. How did, um, uh, let there be light come up for you as a director. Why did you choose that? Why did you take that? 
and obviously you made it super successful. Well, I mean, it, it definitely caught on and found an audience. It did very well for another small budget movie. There's no question. Right. Um, I, my, my wife, Sam, wrote the script. Okay. Um, Dan Gordon has always been a friend of Sam Lang's. Dan Gordon, for those who don't know who he is, Dan Gordon is Academy Award-nominated writer. He was up for uh, original screenplay. He wrote The Hurricane for Denzel Washington. He wrote White Earp, Kevin Costner. He wrote 60 episodes of Highway to Heaven, Michael N. series. Great writer. And uh, he looked at the script, and Sam, you know, he said, uh, okay, if I make some changes on this, my name goes above yours on the script rewrite. And he, she said, well, heck yeah. And um, I'm sitting in my office. This one, I was still living in L.A., and I get a phone call, and it was, it was uh, Sean um, Hannity. And I've been on a lot of Fox. I've been on Hannity. I've been on almost every Fox show and Fox business and stuff. Because they're the only outlet that let you come on and talk about family movies. <laughs> but anyway, he said, I loved your movie, uh, What If? And God's Not Dead and Soul Surfer. Do you have something like that? And I said, well, yeah, I got one right now. We went and pitched him in New York. He wrote a check right then and there. And that's how that movie was even brought together. It was one of those amazing things where we just found the money much quicker than we anticipated. And uh, so that's how the whole uh, the Let There Be Light thing even, even uh, took off. And uh, we put that together, went to Birmingham. The Irwin brothers came in and helped us a little bit with locations. And um, people don't know the Irwin brothers. They did like I Can Only Imagine and uh, Mom's Night Out. A lot of Yeah, one of my favorite, I Can Only Imagine was a great one for that. Movie. Great movie, great movie. Yeah. And um, they were just, uh, they were just class hat guys to help us out because, you know, once again, just it was just a lower budget movie, but it played very, very well and did very well in theaters, did very well with Amazon. They, they gave us a two-year wonderful deal with the uh, with, uh, movie there to stream it. And uh, I highly recommend it. Let there be light. Hey, go to sorbostudios.com. There you can find out more information. Sorbostudios.com and sign up right there. We got a lot of information on that site. All right. Definitely do that. Go to sorbostudio.com. Uh, yeah. At some point, I'm going to have to have Dan Gordon. I got a chance to spend some time with Dan yeah. on, um, uh, up on uh, Miracle in East Texas. And, and besides his incredible writing and the, that he's done in Hollywood and the success he's had in Hollywood, he also has a fascinating life that I you know, being oh, in the please. Israeli military, and he has yeah. stories for days, which I would love to get him on. And share hey, let me throw this in right now, because he goes back to Israel every year. He's the oldest active member in the Israeli army, and he's well into his 70s. Um, in fact, Dan loved uh, Birmingham so much, he left Sedona, Arizona, and moved to Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> but um, uh, my wife and I are hosting a trip in May of 2023. So anybody out there wants to go to Israel, and to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, we are hosting it. We did it three years ago. It was phenomenal. I've been back there twice since to do documentaries. I was just there earlier this year in May. I was there for three weeks doing another documentary, which is coming out later in the year. Um, but go to SorboIsraelTrip.com. SorboIsraelTrip.com. But it's also under SorboStudios.com as well. So people can find it on both. Yeah, I'd love to go. I got a. I ran into a guy. He was on one of my podcast show, a uh american israeli who ended up getting blown up but he was a tank commander in israel oh, wow. and got blown up and he's in a wheelchair he's a musician israel's got talent just a great human being so he's back in israel now and uh he's been wanting me to come and hang out with him so maybe there's a way I can there you go him. you got to come with us we got, yeah, we, got, we, got three, we got three amazing guides and uh same ones we had last time around i have actually this last trip i did in may and this documentary we did on the ark of the covenant and also on the tabernacle um, people find pretty fascinating through archaeological digs. So we we got two new speakers that live there. They're going to come and talk in the evenings while we're having dinner. So I think people will enjoy what these people have to say. And you don't have to be a person of faith. You can just, I mean, you know, history is history. Jesus did exist. He was a real person. Um, it's pretty fascinating just the history and the beauty of Israel. I think uh, people would be pretty impressed by it. 
Yeah, well, I've never been there, so it sounds like it would be a definite bucket list thing. Yeah, May is a great time to go. May is perfect. 80 degrees during the day, 60 at night. It's just a oh, great time to go. That sounds good. Well, at the end, we'll sum up. Uh, uh, you'll put out all those again one more time. Sure. Uh, lay out for people. Um, what else? What else do you got coming up? What's some new stuff besides, you know, obviously we're, we're working with um, things. Anything Left Behind, else? just so people know, though, you and I worked on Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist is based on the Left Behind books by LaHaye and uh, Jerry Jenkins. And um, it looks great. I haven't seen all the, the, uh, the FX yet put together, uh, but I will see those soon. But we are, I just got from uh, Paul Lalonde, who runs uh, Cloud 10 Pictures up there in Toronto, Canada. He said we're going to release now in, in, in January for sure. I've got the Reagan movie coming out, Dennis Quaid. Uh, that's going to be around January as well. Um, you did, mentioned did you, you filmed with him out in Oklahoma, right? Say that again. Did you filmed. Oh yeah, we out? shot. We shot. We shot in Guthrie, Oklahoma. Guthrie, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I ended up. Which, I, which I, ended... I shot another movie that just came out last year in theaters called "The Girl Who Believes in Miracles" with Peter mm -hmm. Coyote, who you you know as well, oh, yeah. and uh, Mira Sorvino. Wonderful family movie. Uh, wonderful, touching movie. Um, Ran for about three or four months in theaters, and uh, now it's out in DVD as well. Um, but I also have, you, you mentioned Eating with the Enemy, which will be out probably not till spring now. I'm guessing spring. They, they're still doing some additional footage on it right now. Um, I will be narrating early December on it. I did another one for them uh, a couple years ago called, um, I love the title with that one, Eating with the Enemy. What a great title for the disciples in the Last Supper. Um, and then the other one I did with them, same company, Brent Miller's company, Ingenuity Films. And that one is called, um, it was the number one documentary on Amazon for five months, uh, a year and a half ago. And that one is called uh, Before the Wrath. It deals with the second coming. It's just really, it's pretty interesting, pretty, pretty factual. And then I've got, um, like I said, I just mentioned two other movies coming up. I just finished a movie called The Waving Man, a very, very Touching family movie. I shot it with my my oldest boy, Braden, who's got the lead in it. He's, he's still got one more week on it. I just came back from Orlando filming there. And uh, I've got a race car movie called Speed Shift to shoot in Minnesota. I don't know when that's going to happen, but it's supposed to happen soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've got a lot of things kind of brewing right now, which is which is really good. There's a couple of animation projects I've been uh, contacted about for uh, doing a voiceover on them. So well, that, um, it's, all, it's all good. Oh, then I'm doing a Christmas special. That we hope to be, be, go out there forever, years and years to come. That I'm going to be the narrator of that one as well. So uh, I'm doing that one. I'm doing the work on that one. I think in October. But uh, staying busy, which is a good thing. That is a good thing. Well, Minnesota will definitely welcome you with open arms. They're looking forward to having you uh, film there. Sort of when, when you get close to that, let me connect you with the film commission people. Sure. The, two, the two women up there that that are the two nicest women in the world. Which why? Cool. But, Minnesota nice, man. You know, you have to be right. So, um, but yeah, they, they, they would definitely love you. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to play, if you don't mind, I'm going to play that quick minute and a half little uh, clip and you feel free to comment on anything in it as it's, sure. as it's rolling. Okay. So okay. people can see, I put this together stuff that we did together, some stuff okay. that you did and just, you know, um, I'll, I'll just throw it up there and feel free sure. to jump in anytime you want. Perfect. So, right, here we go. Of course. Let there be oh, I, thought you had some, I thought you had some. Oh, there's our, there's our crew shot. We shot in uh, the East Texas Oil, Miracle East, East Texas, Texas Oil, that's right. Left Behind. I just got the new artwork on Left Behind. 
So that's, that's on that's obviously on the set of one of our locations there up in Calgary. That was a great church. This is kind of funny. God is dead as opposed to God is not dead. I know. I had to, we had to, you had to put that up there. There's Corbin Bernstein. You saw earlier Neil McDonough, which was great. Um, Neil and I are, are working on trying to get a uh, – who's that great guy right there? <laughs> who's that? Yeah, so, I don't know. So there's Neil. Yeah. Neil and I are uh, discussing. He just sent me a, a Western script that is unbelievable. It's a modern day Cain and Abel. And I say modern day, it's you know it's a Western in the 1860s. It's modern to Cain and Abel. Um, but it was a uh, it was. I hopefully get that make that get that thing done. There's my son. <laughs> the, there's the two producers oh being handled. Oh, that's Soul Surfer right there. Of course, that's um, Avenging Angel. I did the Reliant. Uh, with Brian Bosworth, of course, God's Not Dead, which was, there's, and there's the book that people all should be reading. There's my beautiful wife, Sam. And there's me doing a baseball swing on a golf course. And um, yeah, check that out on, on Prager. That's pretty good. Disappointed, of course. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, we, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. I got to talk about the disappointed thing. Um, on Hercules, I had an alter ego called the Sovereign, which he was the bad guy. And uh, I, I end up, he's, he's like a bilateral universe. And I end up in Hercules' world somehow through some time tunnel vortex thing. And I get there and I my line reads is, wait a minute, this isn't my world. And people thought when I yelled out disappointed after that, that I, I was, that I, it was screen direction. Oh, he read that wrong screen direction. He was supposed to say that in a disappointed way. No, 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 no. I thought of Kevin Klein and a fish called Wanda. And if you haven't seen that movie, please see that movie. It's, it's, it's probably in my top 10. It's a wonderful movie that John Cleese wrote and directed from, you know, you guys know John Cleese, uh, Monty Python and all. And, um, uh, he, and Kevin Klein and three times that movie he goes disappointed, just yells it out. And I thought of that and I just yelled it out and said it. Well, they kept it in because we did a lot of ad libs on Hercules, nothing to take away from the writers, but there were things that on the set would happen. And we'd go, Hey, it'd be great if we said this here. And that's got like 25 million hits right now. And there's people that come up to me at comic cons and they have it on their phone as a ring, as a tone dial, like when their wife calls them. So it says disappointed. So it's it's just it's amazing how that thing has taken on a life of its own, but it's it's pretty cool. I wish I had a dime for or a dollar for every time that you know people download it, because then I'd be able to fund my movies just like that. Yeah, no kidding, right? I need to figure that out. <laughs> well, we we uh, uh everybody on the crew would say that occasionally on the setup there, just to oh, have yeah. fun, obviously. Yeah. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, what else? What else, uh, Kevin? I mean, it sounds like you got a great busy thing. I, I would just say for the, for anybody, friends watching this or people watching it in the future, you know, uh, reach out to me uh, if you got um, financing you or you want to put some financing together for some movies that we might want to be able to consider to have Kevin direct and act in and, and we can produce. Um, by all means, reach out to us and, uh, you know, let's let's start talking. I, I mean, we, we I, can definitely do the creative side, the producing side. You know, we need help with the financing side. So if you can put that together, guys, anybody out there, um, feel free to do that. Let's, uh, I do want to throw in real quick. I, my wife and I did a follow-up book to True Strength, and it's called True Faith. And that yes. one just came out in the last I year. I mentioned so. it. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, please check out True Faith, too. It's about just you know, embracing ad adversity in life. So it's uh, it's got it's a lot of good anecdotes in there and stories. And uh, I, I think it'll, it'll help motivate people to, uh, you know, keep moving forward in life through all the negativity and out there. And um, I'm also starting another book right now called Close Encounters of the Celebrity Kind. I may change the title, but <laughs> it's just short two-page chapters on all the people I've met 
as a pseudo celebrity in the world of all these, you know, from Wayne Gretzky to, to Charlton Heston, to all these different people. And, and, you know, a lot of them are just funny. Joe Pesci. There's just a lot of just little fun, little stories about people I've met through my walk in life in this crazy world. Well, you obviously, uh, once again, and then I'm going to just, uh, go back, but we both, uh, you did it. I think on Prager, I did it on Epic times. You've been on Epic times as well too. Yeah. Um, I think we both, I did a show talking about cancel culture that's up on Epic mm -hmm. times and you've done one as well. And, and, you know, we kind of both see that world where, you know, um, basically weak people are trying to cancel people who have different opinions of them, you know, and that's what it it's is. Just it's silly. It's, it's just, just silly. silly people. We are know, literally, we, we are literally gotten rid of freedom of speech. I don't think we've ever had true freedom of speech anyway. But the last three, four years, I just see the acceleration of this ridiculousness. And it's just, it's just, I'm just it's sad. It's, just, it's, it's, it's sad. It's sad and it's stupid and it's immature and it's childish. Yeah. It's like, there's like all these people are a bunch of like little seventh graders. Like, uh, you know, it's just it, it, this weird little thing about getting, getting angry about the stupidest thing. We live in a world like, what are you angry about? Well, what do you got? You know, yeah, right. it's that old Marlon, Marlon Brando movie about, you know, it just was, what do you, what are you so angry at? He says, well, what do you got, man? He was a biker and this, I can't remember the title of the movie, um, I mean, but I, it's I just, just, you know, I just, I just it's think it, it's so much easier to treat people with respect and have a conversation and yeah. you know, on anything. I mean, not, don't be afraid, have courage. Somebody disagrees with you. So what? Yep. Big deal. You know, it's like you, you can learn things from anybody. So why not have a conversation? Why not? And if you don't like somebody's Twitter account, then don't follow them. Yeah. Don't read it. Yeah. Just, you don't like so somebody. Simple. Yeah. But but when you have conversations with people and, and people who are willing to have conversations, you find out you have a lot more in common and you find ways to like people when you when you're that kind of courageous person. You know, you don't find a way to dislike people. You find a way, like, what, what can we do together? How can we be friends? As opposed to, let me find ways to not like you. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it takes for maturity, it takes for adulthood to be able to do that. That's but right. I think that message is some of what we, we want in the world, both with our movies and with our messages. So if people want to reach out to you, once again, I'm going to hit it up again. Sure. For speaking, if they want to hire you for speaking, if they want to, you know, uh, reach out <laughs> to you to go on Twitter, if they want to get your books on Amazon, um, if they want to go on the trip to um, to the Holy Land, to Jerusalem, um, Israel, tell them all those kind of places where people. It's easy. Just go to Sorbo, SorboStudios.com. SorboStudios.com. It's got all the information right there. And um, yeah, it's just simple. Just just pop right there. It's one stop shopping. And if you want my books, you want the DVDs, we got them all there on site. You can get them autographed and we'll send them out. Sounds good. Uh, anything else you would like to. Um, and when I. When we finish up, I'm just going to kind of stay on for a minute and just kind of answer some of the people who posted on here just to give them a little um, a moment of acknowledgement, what they're saying. But um, anything else you want to leave us with, leave the audience with? Yeah, I think that I think that's it. I'm, I'm, t I'm done talking to you, man. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> We've covered everything. Yes, 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 we have, man. Well, I look forward to a doing another movie with you. That that was one of the other things I do have to say for the audience. You know, I've done probably close to 50 movies as a line producer and a producer. And of the two movies that we did together, Miracle in East Texas and Left Behind, I say the experience I had in those movies, and this is a credit to you and also the team we put together, but those were the best experiences I had over that whole experience of, of all those movies. You know, and and on the first one, I, I, I said, Unfortunately, I told it to James Quattrochi, his my producing partner. I said I felt like I was on vacation, and he said, "Does that mean I don't have to pay you?" So yeah, so. <laughs> but um, 
we, we had a blast both on the set and you can see from some of the things we had a great time at night. We, we went out, yeah. we ice skated, we, you know, we socialized, we had a, you well, know, you know we had like a great crew and the actors we brought in were all awesome and easy to work with and professional and nobody is a prima donna. And, you know, look, I look at it, I, I, I look at it, I'm from the Midwest. So I think that uh, it's a different sort of outlook when I moved to Hollywood. I never really became a Hollywood guy. And, Thank God. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I tell people I'm a 13 year overnight success. So I know what it's like that it wasn't handed to me or gifted to me. I worked my butt off to get where I was, but I used every failure in my life as a positive. And that's what people got to do. You can failure is not a negative word, guys. No is not a negative word. You can learn a lot from those things and take pieces that, that, you know, worked and get rid of the stuff that didn't work and just move on in your life and just uh, quit giving up so easy. Everybody gives up so easy. And it's like, you know, I don't owe you anything. You don't owe me anything. So let's just, Let's just get out there and work hard and not be afraid of uh, having things go wrong because that's what makes you a better person and a stronger person. 100% agree, man. Well, thank you, Kevin. All right. It's been a pleasure, man. Thank you for being part of this. And thank you My for pleasure. sharing with everybody. You have a great right. one. We'll talk soon. Take care. All right. Bye. Take care. All right, everybody. I'm just going to kind of give you a little, uh, a lot of people have jumped in here and just want to thank you for audience uh Francisco, thank you, Francisco. Blessings to you both. You say, Francisco, and back at you. Uh, Ken Dodge, um, uh, you're a spectacular man. I pray we actually get to work together one day. Uh, working with Kevin was an uplifting experience. I'll always remember. Uh, right on, Ken. Uh, who else? Let me just get through some of you. Uh, um, as, uh, William Brower says, amen, Kevin. Uh, Tony Boldy says, great interview. John and Kevin, thank you, Tony. Uh, Ken says, uh, Joe Rogan doesn't pull any po uh, punches. Love his podcast. Ryan um, I, uh, says, uh, my humble opinion, I believe we in the creators can create a counter Hollywood. We have better writers and creators so we can attract all the top talent on both sides of the, the camera. Well, I hope so. I wish so. Uh, pop culture can be saved from uh, the idiotic woke folks. Uh, as of Ryan, I hope so. Um, Lori, um, thank you, Lori, for being on it. Uh, James, yeah, what on, what's on, brother? Uh, we're going to work together. Dave Osbach, when we shoot Veterans Day in Louisiana, uh, tell Kevin to bring his gloves. Uh, yeah, let's get that money going. Let's get Veterans Day going. Um, Dave, anybody out there want to uh, help finance a great uh, script and a great project, Veterans Day, reach out to me. Um, Russell says, hey, fellas, happy Sunday. Um, uh, what, what else? What else? Uh, uh, Camille says, I'm from Louisiana. I'd love to go home and work on something. Bike going available. Right on, Camille. Um, so happy for Kevin. Crystal, uh, that's how I live with two liberals while in LA. Laugh, laugh out loud. Uh, Crystal Snow, who's done a great project up in Canada, a great um, actress, producer, uh, et cetera. So anyway, everybody, I'm going to kind of wrap up the show. Thank you for watching. Thank you if you uh, come on later and you get a chance to watch this. Uh, feel free to reach out to me um, via Facebook, direct message me with projects, with things that you're interested in. You can watch the show or you can share the show. It will be on John Duffy uh, YouTube's channel. Um, so you can share the show, tell the people. Of course, it will be staying here on Facebook. And once again, thank you, everybody. Have a fantastic day. Uh, live courageously. Don't give up. Never quit. And until I see you next week, uh, take care. God bless.